0: This is the Up Next podcast with Gabriella Mirabelli. Welcome to Up Next. I'm your host, Gabriella Mirabelli. My guests today are Bill Rand, an associate professor of marketing at the Poole College of Management at North Carolina State University. He specializes in the intersection of marketing and computer science. His research focuses on data driven decision making and the diffusion of information among consumers and organizations. And is Overgore, an assistant professor of marketing at the Department of MIS Marketing and Digital Business in the Saunders College of Business at Rochester Institute of Technology. He adopts a quantitative approach to marketing and aims to solve marketing problems by applying techniques from AI and econometrics. Bill Heis, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to talk to you about your research. Social media is where consumers are living, especially consumers aged 13 to 39. So grabbing their attention, getting them to stop the scroll is critical. I know a lot of marketing professionals troll the internet for snippets of research that other companies, companies with huge data science teams share about their thumbnails, or lap up old case studies that were shared by companies like Upworthy or Group9 who had a track record of racking up the likes and boosting engagement, all of which is to say it's great to get a robust piece of research on the topic of social media images and how they relate to likes. So first, to get a few things out of the way, you used Instagram as your data source, correct? Yes. Correct. Can you share a bit about the robustness of the data you've collected, the time frame you looked at and the number of brands, the number of posts, and if you had any rules about who was included, like posting cadence, just to get an order of magnitude in listeners' heads?
1: Sure. I'll take this one. So what we started with was something called the I2 Digital IQ Index, and we selected the top 1,000 brands. So this was for brands that... In 2015, we were doing digitally well. And, and they, there was a, a measure for that. So we selected the thousand brands that fit that uh, mark. And we started on Instagram because that is the main visual platform that moment. And it, it actually still is. So that's where we started our collection. And then we just collected all their posts over the period of a year. So that was from about June 2015 to May 2016 and then to keep it robust and consistent we excluded any brand that did not post at least once a week.
0: Okay, great.
1: And that resulted in 147,000 posts after excluding some outliers and then 633 brands.
0: Wow, great. Fantastic. So let's move into some of the definitions you were looking at image, visual complexity, but it isn't simple. Feature and design complexity are unsurprisingly complicated. They aren't monolithic concepts. Can you share the component parts of visual complexity and design complexity? Sure.
1: It starts with visual complexity as a large, overarching concept or construct. And then we divided that into feature complexity And design complexity okay and and these are these this split makes a lot of sense because feature complexity captures the innate variability of of an of an image so and that goes back to almost a pixel level as some of your listeners might know a image is built up based off of pixels that have red green and blue scores and that essentially designs the image. The more pixels an image has, the higher the resolution, right? So the feature complexity measures the overall variation at the pixel level. So how many, how much variation is there between the pixels of an image? So that just simply arises after you take an image, that is the variation that is is there. And that can be manipulated afterwards with photoshop or with with instagram filter so that makes up the feature complexity and that captures the three main components that we looked at color how complex how many colors are in the image how many unique colors are there and then the brightness or the luminance which measures how much variation there is from bright to dark some images have a lot of dark spots in them and some very bright spots so we measure how much variation is there and then the last one captures the number of edges. And that really reflects the amount of detail there is. If there's a lot of edges, then that means that there's a lot of little details covering the image. So that covers the feature complexity. And that simply arises after you take an image. Then the design complexity is all about the design and the story and the the objects that are present in the image. So that is not just the, the pixel level, but instead we're talking about specific objects How many are there? Where are they located? Are they asymmetrically placed around the the image? And those factors can make it more or less uh, complex in that sense. And the design complexity is not something that simply arises. No, that is taken into consideration before you take an image because you place the objects or you take the image such that an object is positioned in, in a certain way. And what we measure there specifically is how many objects are in the image, how irregular are they arranged over the image, and then related to that, is that arrangement asymmetric or symmetric?
0: Right. Well, before I dive into your hypotheses, I can imagine that there are some listeners who are thinking, well, that's all well and good, but XYZ brand has a lot of followers or post every day. Your study controlled for those types of things, Yes.
2: Yeah, we did. And in fact, we the strength of the brand is the number one indicator of the number of likes their brand or an image will receive. And we controlled for a number of other things, which I'll let Heist talk about more, but including the caption of the image, right? So the caption of the image also affects the likes that their brand receives. But in the end, we found that even controlling for all those things, if a brand were to improve some of the features, they would see between a 3% and a 19% gain in the number of likes just from the image alone.
0: I do want to dive in a little bit more about the caption because that too is a choice that is made. So let's put that in the parking lot to make sure we do cycle back and understand that a little bit more, because again, if we're talking about what brands, what they have their fingers in, where the choices they're making to help, help them along. But now that we've sort of squared away the basic things, let's first deal with feature complexity. What did you believe you would find?
1: Yep. So what we set out and, and what we, what we tried to see was can we explore this divide that we see in the advertising literature. So there was one stream of research that said, well, it needs to be as simple as possible to capture attention. And then the other stream was, it needs to be as complex as possible to get, the, uh, to, to get the best attention. So we figured it's probably somewhere in the middle or it's some kind of what we call a nonlinear relationship where it's not more is better or less is better. We found two studies that use both the feature and design complexity. But specifically for the feature complexity, they said, well, if you have too much feature complexity in in an advertisement, then that hurts the attention because then it's, it's harder for consumers to process. And what, what was important there is that the feature complexity triggers these kind of low slash mid level processes in the brain. So it, it measures how much effort it takes to process such an image with the visual system. And then on the other side, a recent paper uh, on social media actually said, "Well, you need more of those because those are the, the kind of cues in an image that you will process anyways. And if you don't have enough of those, you will not get the amount the image will not get the amount of attention it needs before you may decide to process it further and investigate it further. So it's it's that divide where it's like, well, too much is not good." too little, doesn't exceed the threshold. So it makes sense that the optimum should be probably somewhere in the middle. So we figured that this is what we call an inverted U-shape relationship, where there's some kind of optimum in the mid-regions that the kind of exceeds the threshold that we're looking for. So it, it it stimulates the senses, if you will. And then if it is too much, then it might just be too much since we're scrolling so much through social media and we're bombarded with information that if an image is just too much to handle, then you kind of like are, are less likely to engage with it.
0: Right. So your belief was that all of these items combined would have that upside down you and each component part, correct? Was it was it additive or individual or how did they, what was the going in thought of how they related to one another?
2: So we really wanted to deconstruct the visual complexity, right? There was a lot of attention in the past to just trying to sum up or add up visual complexity into one monolithic measure. Right. So one of the contributions of our paper is really, you know, taking this framework of Deconstruction the feature and design complexity, which had been done before, but mm-hmm. then also coming up with individual measures and which Heiss has mentioned already, from color to luminance on the feature complexity sign, and on the design complexity sign, things like number of objects and arrangement. Right. And so each of those has their own, has their own relationship. And our hypothesis going in was that overall we would see. These inverse U-shaped relationships uh, to a large extent, but we were interested how they each affected. Each of those might have their own unique sweet spots, right, right, where they optimize the complexity for those individual features.
0: Right. And so for your hypothesis around design complexity, were you expecting the same?
1: So actually, we expected there to find the exact opposite so, where oh, okay. we have an inverted U-shape relationship for the feature complexity, here we have a U-shape relationship. So, with where the feature complexity, we have an optimum somewhere in the middle. And for the design complexity, we, we found that an optimum would be most likely at either ends of the spectrum. And the that, was your go- for, that
0: was your going in assumption or that was what you found?
1: Um, Both. So there was our going in assumption and we found it for two out of the three elements of design complexity. And and the reason that we investigated this U-shape relationship was because in the same way that we found the opposite results for, or the opposite findings from previous papers in the feature complexity, we found those for the design complexity as well. Except here where with the feature complexity, it was, you need a little bit for it to trigger enough, and, and if it's too much, then it's too much, right? Mm. And here we found, well, you ne- it needs to be really simple because then it, the story is very easy to understand and then consumers or users of social media platforms know exactly what this, what this image is about, or it is really complex and then it taps into these kind of creative aspects of an image where the design is very elaborate and creative and therefore very complex. And there we found that the, the studies that we that we observed were motivating either ends of the spectrum more than this is enough, this is not enough,
0: mm-hmm. if mm-hmm.
1: that makes sense. So yeah. we, we figured it is probably the exact opposite kind of relationship.
0: Now, so you found it with two, but asymmetry was its own situation. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yep. So for asymmetry, we found a strictly negative relationship where the more asymmetric an image was or the arrangement of the objects in the image, the less it was associated with a number of likes. So in that case, it's better to be symmetric in your design.
0: So really, as a marketer, look out for asymmetry. It's There's just no good there. Is that a fair yep. thing to take away? That is a, <laughs> yep, that is a
1: fair, uh, fair takeaway, yep.
2: Um, so, so as a as a you know as a scientist, I have to say we only observe so much asymmetry within our data, right? And so you know it's potentially possible that somewhere out there there are images. That have have you know more asymmetry and somehow do well, but we didn't see any of that in our data. That's well.
0: Sure. I think that that's still you know we're looking for anything that gives you an edge, and if generally speaking it's not helpful, that's a good thing to know. I I was wondering because you did break up the component parts of the feature complexity. If you went over the top in one area, could you correct it by going down another? Were you able to to see if you could mitigate? by cranking one versus the other, or, or was there a certain threshold that if any of them went over, you were in trouble?
1: That's a, an excellent question. So we we looked at the individual relationships and we found for, for each one of them, an inverse, um, inverse U-shaped relationship, all with kind of like their own optimum. And if we added all of those together, and we investigated that relationship we we found the same kind of inverted u shape relationship so based on the combination of of those two yes you can certainly compensate with mm-hmm. one for for the other right. um, but we did not specifically look at the dynamics of well it in, would increasing color and decreasing brightness would that necessarily make it better we can only look at their individual optimums Right. Uh, and and if that if you can get as close as possible to the individual optimums, then then you're most likely to do well.
0: Okay. So individual optimums. And I'm I'm wondering how do I know how much is too much? Is there a guide? Like is the is there you know, so I know like this is the guidance. Is is that in yep.
1: there? So Yes and no. So we we have demonstrated in the paper the the optimum level for each one of our elements of the feature complexity. But we would advise to find these optima for your own brands. So when you broke we, we out by it,
0: brand, did you find that it was different?
1: We did not go okay. into that uh, level of detail. No, because we, we had six hundred and thirty three brands. So we we said well can we across all those brands across all these industries can we find very specific patterns mm. that are that always hold true essentially right. so that we we indeed find but we did not uh, take any of the brands into into more detail for for this study but that is certainly an area that we uh, that we expect to study in the future or that we encourage other researchers to study in the future
0: well it would, it would be, be really, really interesting, interesting to see if a certain sector had different Slightly different parameters that depend yeah. on, you know, like gaming or sports or politics. Like, or I mean, obviously, politics isn't a brand sector, but it, just in terms of people who are using social media for communication to understand what their own parameters were. However, in your paper, you mentioned that the simple use of a filter can increase likes by 3%, and that's pretty huge. Which filter? <laughs> can you idiots guide that for us? <laughs> So
1: the the best working filter that we found was was actually Clarendon ah. but it, it it really depends so what we what we tried to do was we take an image we have the different optima for color um, edge density and for luminance mm. and then we essentially just applied all filters or all filters that we recreated because the filters are proprietary by Instagram. Right. So we we try to recreate it as, as best as possible.
0: Mm. And
1: then we we just simply looked Hey, what if we if we were to choose the best filter based on our current results, what do what would that do with the number of likes of this image? And that's how we found that if you select the right filter based on that, you get about a 3% increase.
0: That's amazing. Similarly, how many objects are too many objects? I've heard 3. Like I've heard if you go over 3, it gets too noisy, especially because people are viewing things on mobile and it's small. But is that accurate?
1: That is a great question, actually. And and we we have not looked at this specific number of objects. We just see that when one in the in our case was 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 associated with the highest number of likes. And then the more objects you added, you you kind of went down. And then yeah. when you reached a certain point, which was was about the mid a little bit left to the middle. So it was about at 30 to 40 objects where it started to go back up again.
0: Well, that's almost, if you think about the size of a thumbnail, that's almost just becomes a pattern. I mean, where then you sort of maybe have a repetition of pattern. I'm curious because I do think a lot about mobile. And I guess you were looking 2015, 2016, people were still very, very mobile at that point. Did you know whether people were viewing through mobile or desktop? Did you differentiate at all? Was there a difference?
1: No, we we were not able to get that information. Instagram is very limited in in what they hmm. what they share. And, and that, <laughs> yes. and that they has, like to keep their secret sauce proprietary. Ex- exactly, and and we were we were actually right before instagram changed all their regulation on the, around the api we were able to get this data set but it's now no longer possible huh. to be compliant with instagram's rules and regulation and to get to get the kind of data huh. and, and and another kind of limitation of our of our study was that we don't know who liked the image right so we don't know where they came from how they got to the image or and and why they why they liked it. We just had the raw numbers. And right. this is also the reason why we stayed with lots of images, lots of brands, and stayed right. stayed in the general sense, because then we can make these kind of yes. inference. But as soon as we go on a brand level or maybe on an image level, it, it gets a little bit murky, right? Well, how did this image get to so many viewers? Maybe the brand posted it as a combination with another image, right? So the image journey was not something that we, we were able to
0: cover. I was really struck by one of the lines in the paper, so I'm going to read it and add a question. So it said, we show that the individual aspects of visual complexity influence consumer liking above and beyond a wide range of content characteristics, such as photography attributes, specific type of images or faces. And it's faces that got me because I just think about the Georgia Institute of Technology's 2014 study of faces versus no faces in Instagram posts. And it found that faces were 32% more likely to generate engagement and start a conversation. So how can I square things there? I've always told social media practitioners that if they can put a face in there, humans react to the face. Now... Is the color more important than the face? We,
1: we certainly know that there are studies out there, including the one that you mentioned, that mm. faces engage us right? and mm. faces are important. That's where our eyes are going first and, right. and then that we interact with. So certainly there's no questions there. Interestingly, we found a very minor effect for faces in our data set across all the brands. And I think that has to do with one that we are working with firm generated content and not user generated content. So we mm. s- strictly focus on the content that is generated by brands. And because these brands have such a wide variety of, of posts, I can Oh, uh, imagine... so
0: faces might not be part and parcel of their typical posting. Is that-
1: Yeah, exactly. And okay. and so we included face because it-, it, it does have a relationship with the liking. So we included, as uh, so we call it, as a control variable. Uh. And then we included the photography measures. So there's some studies out there that show several photography measures and how they impact demand on Airbnb, for example, right. we included those. And then we controlled for the most, the, the typical image. So is there an image of a beach? Is there an image of a park? Is there an image with a dog and a cat? So we controlled for all those. And then we still found that the visual complexity has an impact. And, right. and what we try to emphasize with that line too, is that almost regardless of what is on the image or what you're, what object you're trying to display or what you're trying to tell with your image, Feature, feature, and design complexity is something that you should always think, incorporate. Right, always think about.
0: Right, so yeah. these insights are things that people who work on product teams at Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, they can apply them to their thumbnails. This, right, you would be able to generalize from this stuff beyond well, Instagram. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, that's that's a great question. You know, I, I was going to comment that you know, you know, based like with regards to the faces question, right, where. We're of course limited to what is in the data we're looking at, right? So it might be that if a company put a lot of faces in, right, it has some different effects. And with mm-hmm. regards to thumbnails, right we we might see slightly different patterns in in thumbnails than what we do in the instagram data for 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 insurance
0: well that's it's interesting because youtube creators epic mealtime has the most dreadful busy loud type (laughs) screaming colors exaggerated close-ups of faces other objects they are just they (laughs) they break the scale for complexity and the engagement levels are off the hook and one of the conversations i've had with designers are it may be hideous but it works So so that's it's interesting. The use case might make a difference here.
2: Right. Right. Context is very important. Right. You know, for instance, I definitely don't think that the kinds of pictures that cause a lot of engagement on Instagram are the same kinds of images that necessarily cause a lot of engagement necessarily also on Facebook. Right. Mm, Okay. Uh, They're, you know, in general, I think a lot of these, we try to generalize these visual complexity guidelines as much as possible. And we also made all of the tools that we did this with uh, available via open source, right? So that anyone else could take these tools and then apply them to a different context.
0: So if I'm working at a brand, I can look at this paper and find my way to these tools so that I can use them?
2: Yeah, they're not, um, they're not exactly, you know, plug and play where you just have to you know, grab an image and put it up. But if you have a reasonable data scientist on staff, they should be able to handle these tools fairly easily.
0: That's awesome. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) That's great. So, so you spoke about context and I do want to touch on that. If everyone follows the rules, will the rules become less effective? Like if Waze were to send everyone on the same alternate route, or is this just a human thing?
2: That's a great question. And, and I do think that if, people start to follow the rules or the guidelines, right? More along the lines of then, I do think that you would see increasing competition, right? Like the Mm. the point is, the engagement is kind of a product of sticking out, right? It's about being right. different somewhat than the other images around you, right? That's what catches your eye and causes you to slow down a little bit, right? And mm-hmm. pause and like the image. And so I do think that, for instance, if everyone looks exactly the same, then it's it, it's going to be problematic, right? And so right, the you,
0: power of novelty. Yeah, Before I think we- it's important to add to
1: add there is that the visual complexity. These measures are specifically. Related to how the brain processes these images.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So, in that sense, the the, res- the initial response to these these kind of images by the brain that will that that is very fairly consistent and it will stay that will stay more or less the same. Except the difference between images and the response after the response of the brain that that is going to make a difference if you if you catch what right. right I but, right.
0: Now we had yeah. I had put into sort of a parking lot from the top of the conversation. We have a few minutes. We had talked about, you had mentioned captioning. Can you just, it, it, what did you find out about captioning? What did you notice about captioning? Cause that's another thing that brands do control. So what should they keep in mind? So in,
1: in this case, we, we included the number of hashtags that they used. We did not look for specific hashtags, or trends within hashtags. So those are, is one of those context vector, uh, factors that is important to consider. Mm-hmm. And then we, we controlled for the sentiment of the text, but we did not find anything specific or worthwhile there. We, we mainly made sure that we, we had something to control for with respect to the caption. I see. So that we are, our image findings would be robust.
0: Right. Well, actually, we had another interview around number of hashtags. So that that's great. This dovetails nicely. Thank you so much for your time. I could talk to you guys forever, as you can clearly tell. But thank you so much for sharing. And I'm really excited to let all the listeners know that there'll be a link to the paper in the podcast uh, show notes. And also through that link, the paper information, they'll be able to get access and find these tools. So right.
1: Thank you. Well, thank you so much.
0: We've reached the end of another episode of Up Next. I'd like to close by thanking my production team at Up Next, my friend Rob Norton, the voice artist who recorded our open. And of course, all of you, the members of our audience, thank you. I'll be talking to you again next time right here on Up Next.